Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 171 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers just lost game one of their qualifying round series to the Carolina Hurricanes by a final score of 3-2. to two. It was a tough afternoon for the Rangers, just one of those games where they just really struggled to get anything going offensively. They were really back on their heels quite a bit. I thought the Carolina Hurricanes did a fantastic job with their forecheck, just kind of dictating the type of game that was going to be played to the Rangers. Rangers had pretty much a nightmarish first period. I don't think there's really any other way to put it. Like I said, just back on their heels. One of those games where, I mean, especially in the first period, but really the whole game just kind of felt like the ice was tilted. You know, the Rangers were constantly fighting almost a literal uphill battle. They had to work so hard just to get the puck out of their zone that I think a lot of the times when they finally did clear the puck, they were too gassed to do anything else. You know, you get the puck into the neutral zone and then you have to just dump it into the cane zone and go off for a change because by that point you're so worn down that you got to get some fresh legs onto the ice. So it was just a frustrating afternoon and obviously the power play really struggled. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but we don't want to bury the lead here. And that is of course that Henrik Lundqvist got the start for the Rangers after Igor Shesterkin was deemed unfit to play. Georgiev dressed as the backup, and Igor watched from the stands wearing a mask and everything. And Joe Micheletti did mention when they showed Igor Shesterkin that Shesterkin is expected to be available for Game 2 on Monday. However, during his post-game presser, and this literally just happened, David Quinn mentioned that he's not sure if Shesterkin will be ready to go. So obviously that situation kind of shrouded in mystery. Shesterkin played the first half of the exhibition game against the Islanders on Wednesday. He didn't seem to have any issues there. It didn't seem like he was hobbling or anything like that. Everything looked fine. He looked ready to go for the playoffs. But Obviously, given these times we're living in, the NHL trying to protect player privacy, and so everybody's deemed unfit to play, whether they're sick or whether it's an injury. Although Larry Brooks did tweet out that he believes that it is an injury for Shesterkin, not sickness or COVID-19 or anything like that. The other news coming into this one, Tony D'Angelo expected to be a game-time decision. He did play, and again, you know, I thought he played fine. I didn't see any noticeable injuries, so good to see Tony out there uh, playing in the playoffs for the Rangers. And, you know, one of the things we talked about coming into this series was just how experience the Rangers are and how many of their players are making their postseason debuts. And it certainly showed at times here today, especially in the first period. Again, they just could not get anything going. We also had about 700 combined penalty minutes and about eight total seconds of five-on-five play in this game. Those numbers are accurate. Don't look them up. But no, in reality, it was 21 penalty minutes for each team. Uh, five of those each went to Justin Williams and Ryan Strom because they got into a fight in the first period. We'll talk about that in just a second as well. But yeah, one of the major reasons why the Rangers did not win this game is because they just did not do anything on the power play. You get seven opportunities on the man advantage. I mean, you got to cash in at least one, preferably two, maybe even three if you're really feeling it. And 0 for 7, you know, in and of itself, that's bad enough. But what makes it so much worse is they just did not create any scoring chances. Maybe a few here and there. And, you know, there was a power play. I believe it was their fourth of the game that happened in the second period. And to that point, the Rangers had not created any scoring opportunities at all in this game. And they did look a little bit better on that power play. And I thought that kind of got them going, even though they didn't score... 
they kind of found their game a little bit. And on one hand, you know, you do have to tip your cap a little bit to the Canes because we knew this coming in. They have a great penalty kill, number two in the league. They kill off more than 88% of man advantages that they face. But I just thought there were too many players on the Rangers in this game who just looked indecisive when the Rangers had the power play. And again, that could be the product of having a very, very young team in the playoffs that has very, very limited playoff experience. But yeah, you know, there were just too many players in the Rangers who, on the power play, I just thought they didn't really look like they knew what they wanted to do with the puck. And they just kind of got caught in between, you know, do I pass? Do I shoot? Do I carry the puck deep? Do I look to move the puck around the boards? You know, it just too many guys that just didn't know what they wanted to do when they had the puck. One area where I thought the Rangers really kind of held their own against the Canes was in the physicality department. There were a lot of big hits in this game, especially early. You get the opening faceoff. The first big hit, Brady Shea just drills Jesper Foss, and then Foss, you know, he stays on the ice for a little while, but he eventually leaves, and it kind of led to a Canes goal because if you watch this goal, there was a cross-ice pass from Tivu Teravainen to Jacob Slavin, and Slavin scores short side, squeezes it just inside the pipe to make it one to nothing, just 1-0-1 into the action. But nobody picked up Slavin, and I think it's because Jesper Foss was kind of late getting into position because, you know, he really got his bell rung by Brady Shea there. Obviously, we hope that Jesper Foss is okay, first and foremost, just for his health, but also, he's a very important player for the Rangers. He gives you really a little bit of everything. He's a great penalty killer. Our Arguably the Rangers' best penalty killer. He has really held his own on that second line with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. And he's had his best offensive season ever. So he's one of those guys you definitely want him on the ice. He's also got a lot of playoff experience, especially compared to a lot of the other players on the Rangers. So that was obviously a tough loss for the Rangers there. As far as the hit itself, I don't know. I mean, you could... You never know what the NHL is going to do. It did look like he kind of launched himself upward a little bit, did Shea, but I can't go crazy on that one. I've definitely seen worse hits than that, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know if, if Shea will hear anything from the league on that one, but definitely something that we will keep our eye on. And as far as the shot itself, was it perhaps preventable by Henrik Lundqvist? Was it a stoppable shot? Yes, it was, but it would have been an excellent save had Lundqvist made it. And then, not too long after that, the Canes going in on the rush, and they put the puck right off the crossbar. So the first two shots that Lundqvist faces, the first one is a goal, the second one goes off the crossbar. So a little bit, I don't want to say necessarily a shaky start, because again, he was kind of hung out to dry on the goal. And then, hey, you know, they always say the crossbar is part of the pads, but, you know, a rough start for Henrik Lundqvist. I think that's fair to say when you give up a goal on the first shot and then the second one hits off the crossbar. But Lundqvist played a great game. He was not the reason why the Rangers lost this game. I don't think any of the three goals were soft by any stretch of the imagination. A couple of them were, well, at least one of them was the result of bad luck, a shot deflecting off the skate of Mark Stahl and into the net. But Lundqvist played great. He looked like the seasoned veteran that we all know he is. He looked like the guy who, you know, has been there before. He's, he knows what to do in these playoffs, and, you know, he has the Canes number. He made a lot of really nice saves in this game. There were far many uh, really nice saves by Lundqvist than, you know, bad plays by Henrik Lundqvist as far as shots going in, because I thought the Canes, for the most part, earned everything that they got. Again, they got a lucky bounce on the one off of the skate of Mark Stahl, but it is what it is. That's hockey. There's nothing that Stahl or really uh, Henrik Lundqvist could do about that one. But yeah, the hitting was just out of control early in this game. There was a big hit from Julian Gauthier to Martinook, and away from the play, uh, Brett Howden got called for holding. Initially there, I thought maybe they were going to call Gauthier, and I'm thinking, like, it's just a check. Like, why would you call a penalty there? But the refs, on the other hand, were calling penalties for everything today, so I guess it wouldn't have really been that big of a surprise had they called a penalty on Gauthier there. But Brett Howden goes off for holding. The Canes get a power play. The Rangers do kill it off. The penalty kill was great, and they were great against the Islanders as well. The Islanders the other night, and the Canes here this afternoon, combined to go 1-for-12 on the power play. So the Ranger penalty kill really firing on all cylinders. 
You can't give the other team seven power play opportunities. I think that goes without saying. Part of that was the product of the fact that the refs were just calling everything. If you bumped into somebody, they were putting their arm in the air and calling a penalty. Uh, They were at least consistent. They called it both ways. Anything that looked like a penalty, they were going to call it a penalty. But at least the Ranger penalty kill stepping up big against a dangerous Carolina unit. They did get the one power play goal, but overall, Keynes go just one for seven on the man advantage. And then we get the real opening bell here. When Ryan Strom and Justin Williams both drop the gloves, they start throwing some haymakers. Uh, Strom had just drawn a penalty, and after doing so, he kind of threw his hands up to the ref looking for the penalty. And then Justin Williams saw this and said something to Ryan Strom. I don't know what he said to Ryan Strom, but Strom immediately dropped the gloves, and the fight is on. And it almost felt like... You know, is there some kind of history there between Strom and Williams? I don't think there is. I don't remember seeing anything between the two of them this season. And, you know, Justin Williams only played 20 regular season games, so I'm not even sure if he was out there on the ice for all the games against the Rangers. But, you know, you look at this, it, it just, the way it happened, it just, in the blink of an eye, both these guys are dropping the gloves and throwing fists. So, again, I don't know what Justin Williams said to Ryan Strom, but Strom decided, uh, you're not going to talk to me that way, and we're not going to back down, and we're going to fight, and that's what happened. Uh, I guess you got to give the advantage to Justin Williams in the fight because Strom was bleeding at the end, but they both landed a few punches, and great to see Ryan Strom being willing to drop the gloves and get into a fight here because if you look at the Rangers team, the entire roster top to bottom, all right, who's going to be the one to get into a fight here? I mean, maybe, well, Brendan Lemieux suspended so we can rule him out, but then you look at guys maybe like Jacob Truba, maybe uh, Tony D'Angelo, you wouldn't think that it's going to be Ryan Strom, but hey, you know, if the situation calls for it, Ryan Strom showing he's willing to drop the gloves, he's willing to mix it up with the veteran Justin Williams. And then this is kind of a little thing, but it's one of those instances that kind of shows that the Rangers just were not sharp in this first period, just did not have their A game, maybe had some early game jitters here. There were a couple of icings against the Rangers that the Rangers just did not need to shoot the puck down the ice here. So the first one... Adam Fox has the puck behind the Rangers' own net, and he has the puck there forever. It's one of those situations where there's a player on the Canes on the other side of the net, and he's kind of waiting for Fox to make his move. Fox isn't sure if he wants to skate it out. Fox isn't sure if he wants to pass it. He's kind of, you know, a little bit indecisive here. And then he just kind of plays up the boards, and it goes all the way down the ice for an icing. And then a little bit later, there's a bad icing on Greg McCaig as well. He gets the puck in the neutral zone, and... He plays it into the Canes zone, but he didn't gain the red line. I mean, he was just maybe two feet away from the red line. So he shoots it all the way down. And McKeg in this instance, was probably trying to put the puck on net to obviously negate the icing, but it was just totally unnecessary. There was no reason to shoot the puck down. And again, it's just two icing calls. This may not seem like that big of a deal, but remember, this is the playoffs, and every offensive zone draw is going to be a scoring opportunity of one kind or another. And naturally, you know, after the McKeg icing, the Canes go with their top line. So they've got Taravainen and Aho and Svechnikov. They're all on the ice for an offensive zone draw. That's not a comfortable situation under any circumstances if you're the Rangers. And again, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's two icing infractions, but again, you know, it's just indicative of the Rangers just not being sharp in this first period. And again, you can't just be giving away offensive zone draws for free, especially in the postseason. One Ranger who I thought had a really strong first period and a strong game overall as well was Julian Gauthier. There was an instance early in this game. Again, the Rangers are just really scuffling and really having a hard time creating scoring opportunities of any kind. And he gained the zone and just kind of left a really nifty drop pass for Philip Hedl. Hedl tried to backhand it, shot it wide, but at least there it kind of looked like the Rangers had something cooking just for a second there. I mean, the way this first period went, you'll pretty much take anything that even looks like a scoring opportunity. But then also later in the first period, uh, this is a great play by Gautier. He gains the blue line. 
and he's got no help whatsoever because it was again it was one of those situations where the Rangers were struggling so much to get the puck out of their own zone that by the time that they finally did a lot of the players went off for a line change but Gautier pushes forward there are three hurricanes there and again Gautier has no options he's got nobody to pass to there's really nothing he can do so he tries to basically just skate right through them and he draws a penalty and it was another one of those ticky-tack penalties but you know that's how the refs were calling it and great job by Gautier there all by himself drawing the penalty against the hurricanes and since the power play really is the story of the day here for the Rangers might as well read you a quote from David Quinn this just came through on Twitter Quinn said we were just too slow. I'm not going to sit here and tell you about some scene pass we could have made or one guy should have gone here or should have gone there. Their penalty kill is aggressive. We know that. We've done well against it. And he's absolutely right. And if there's a positive to take out of this game as far as the Rangers, you know, basically anemic performance on the power play, it's that they have had success on the man advantage against the Canes earlier this season. They got to get their guys going. They got to get Zibanej, Adam Panarin going a little bit. And hopefully they can convert on their opportunities in game two. And the other interesting little tidbit here as far as the power play is concerned is the fact that the Rangers had two players who each drew two penalties against the Hurricanes. Gautier was one of them, and Capo Caco actually drew a couple of penalties against the Hurricanes as well. And I thought both those players overall played pretty well in this game. Like we said, it was just a frustrating afternoon overall, but you hope that guys like Gautier and Capo Caco can kind of pick up where they left off because we talked about this in the last couple of episodes, but if the Rangers can really get guys who've been bottom six forwards for the majority of the season going a little bit as far as scoring is concerned, uh, it really bodes well for their chances going forward because you got to figure that eventually, you know, Zibanejad, Panarin, going to get it going. I mean, I say eventually, and then you remember, oh, right, it's only a best of five. They got to step it up quick. But I do think eventually the scoring will be there. Like we said, the team as a whole played a lot better as as this afternoon went on, and Zibanejad and Panarin at least produced a couple of scoring opportunities. Zibanejad scored a goal, but you look beyond, you know, the superstar players, and you look at guys like Kako, and you look at guys like Gautier, and man, it would just be so huge if those guys could start putting the puck in the net. And Kako, I mean, we'll see about Jesper Foss, but whether he's back or not, it seems like Kako is probably going to be ticketed for a top six role, and I think that's a guarantee if Jesper Foss does not play in game two. But even if Foss is back, I get the feeling that based on the way Kako played against the Islanders, and he played pretty well here today too, I just have a hunch that they're going to roll with the kid that's got the upside and has the scoring prowess that Capo Kako has. I know it was a little bit of an underwhelming season for him in his rookie year in New York, but this break seems to have done him some favors, and we'll see. You know, I just get the feeling we're going to see a lot of Capo Kako going forward in this series. But as for the rest of the first period here, it was basically the Henrik Lundqvist show. I mean, he really did a nice job keeping the Rangers in this game. There was an opportunity that the Canes had where a pass was made to Sebastian Ajo, and Lundqvist moved to his right, made a great kick save. Svechnikov tried to bury the rebound, but knocked it just wide. And then just a few seconds after this, there's one of those late developing two-on-one rushes for the Canes, and Lundqvist denies Stahl, who opted to shoot rather than pass. So Lundqvist uh, really looking sharp after a little bit of an inauspicious sh start to this game. You know, obviously, he gives up the early goal, and then another shot goes off the post, but he really picked it up after that, and again, really gave the Rangers a chance, and was probably the main reason why they were just down one to nothing at the first intermission. We go to the second period, and the Rangers actually have a minute and 55 seconds of power play time to work with here. At the beginning of the second period, the Canes took a very late penalty at the end of the first period, but again, it's just nothing doing. I mean, there were no scoring opportunities to speak of on this man advantage. Canes very aggressive on the puck. They moved to it so fast, and you're just constantly under pressure, and I think maybe a way to combat that a little bit if you're the Rangers is you just got to come up with a lot of really quick, really short passes. Just get the puck 
to somebody else because it just seems like even when the Canes are shorthanded that they just really, really attack the puck. They really gravitate to wherever the puck is. And there were a couple instances in this game where the Rangers did create a couple of scoring opportunities because the Canes were a little bit over-aggressive. I mean, the Canes clearly a team that's going to defensively err on the side of aggression. There was a play in the first period where the Rangers made a couple of quick passes. They got Adam Fox loose. Fox had the puck kind of, I don't want to say by himself. There were some hurricanes there, but he had some real estate. The Rangers were on the power play at the time, and he had an opportunity to, you know, either dish the puck in deep or skate it forward himself. He had some room. He definitely had some time. And for whatever reason, and Adam Fox has had a phenomenal season, but he, he did have a little bit of a miscue here. He passed it back to the blue line and just misfire on the pass and the puck goes all the way back down the ice. And I think maybe what happened there is the Rangers were just getting so accustomed to having the Canes draped all over them that maybe Fox didn't realize he had as much time as he did, was just a little bit indecisive with the puck and just a little bit of a misplay there. But yeah, I think with the Canes, to just kind of get them off you, you got to move the puck fast because again, they're going to attack the puck. Wherever the puck is, everybody on that team just seems to gravitate right toward it kind of try to use that against them and I realize it's easier said than done but just move the puck quickly and maybe you can get somebody loose and get a good scoring opportunity out of it but the Rangers do get another chance on the power play here this is their fourth of the game early in the second period and this is the one I was talking about in the intro where it kind of seemed like they got it going a little bit they had some chances uh, Kako put a shot on net the rebound went wide and it's funny because not too long ago you know we did those crossover episodes with Jared from Locked on Hurricanes and we talked about the idea of you know don't just shoot the puck for the sake of shooting the puck try to obviously create dangerous scoring opportunities. Don't just shoot the puck on the net if there's really no chance of going in. But by this point in the game, the Rangers had so few scoring opportunities and so few shots on net that I really didn't care. Just throw the puck at the net just to kind of get into the habit of putting the puck at the net. And that's kind of what we saw here. The Rangers just missed the equalizer on this play. So Panarin is along the boards. He plays the puck in deep to Mika Zibanejad. And Zibanejad nearly puts it into the net off of a deflection. It went just wide of the uh, near post there for Zibanejad. But this was by far the best Ranger power play of the game to this point for sure. And probably of the entire afternoon. And then the power play ended, and this was the moment where I just like jumped out of my seat yelling at the TV because the Hurricanes get a breakaway. Fogel goes in alone, but he was kind of sprung by the referee of all people because, you know, Brennan Smith, he was behind Fogel a little bit, but he was close enough. He could have at least tried to knock the puck away from him or put a body on him, something to disrupt the scoring opportunity. But that became a moot point because the referee threw just like a picture-perfect screen to take Brennan Smith out of the play. But be that as it may, Henrik Lundqvist comes up big. He makes the save on the breakaway, and he freezes the puck and Henrik Lundqvist you know classic Hank here because he used to be so good on the breakaways nobody could ever score on a breakaway against him that went away a little bit this year we saw guys have more success against Henrik Lundqvist on the breakaway but vintage Hank here coming up big keeping the score at one to nothing at this point so the Rangers right now, they have a little bit of momentum. They just had what was their best power play of the afternoon to this point. They just got a big save from Henrik Lundqvist. Maybe they can start to get it going a little bit. And what do you think happened next? Say it with me. The Rangers took another penalty. And listen, I know the refs are calling it tight. I know this is a physical, nasty game. I mean, the, the Canes kind of dragged the Rangers down into the mud with them a little bit, I think. But you finally get your game working a little bit here, and you take a penalty. And, you know, again, it's I can't kill any individual Ranger for taking a penalty in this game. Although, Howden, this probably shouldn't have happened. The penalty was on Brett Howden. He took a slashing penalty in the neutral zone. There's no reason to take penalties if there isn't any chance that the Hurricanes are going to score a goal. 
You don't want to see guys taking penalties in the neutral zone, certainly not in the offensive zone. And Howden goes off for a slashing penalty here. And again, I know the refs are calling it tight, so I'll give the Rangers a little bit of a break, but seven penalties is just too much to take in a game. And especially here, because you're starting to find your game a little bit, and then you're shorthanded again. And that just sucks. I don't know how else to say it. You know, you finally start to find your mojo a little bit, and you got to play a man down once again. And naturally, the Canes do score on the power play pretty much right off of the ensuing faceoff. Svechnikov moves the puck in deep to Aho, and Aho deflects it home. Aho was positioned in front of the net, and it is 2 to nothing Hurricanes with 13-31 left in the second period. By the way, this is the first time all season that the Canes have led the Rangers by two or more goals. So that's an interesting fun fact there. It really does speak to how much the Rangers dominated this series in the regular season. And then Gautier draws another penalty, and the Rangers go on the power play. And a lot of really quick, really short passes here. This is what I was talking about, and it did lead to a couple of scoring chances. They had a shot that went just wide, but the Canes got the clear. And then the Rangers took another penalty, and it goes back to four on four. So unfortunately, another opportunity squandered by the Rangers there. But the Rangers do get one back, and this whole thing was set up by a great keep-in from Mika Zibanejad. The puck looked like it was going to be coming over the blue line, and Mika just basically uh, chipped the puck back in deep to Chris Kreider. Kreider's behind the net. He gets control of it. And he circles around and passes for Adam Fox. Adam Fox is pinching in at this point, and as they pass each other, uh, Adam Fox just leaves the puck for Chris Kreider. Kreider attempts to dish across the ice to Ryan Lindgren. It's funny because Mika Zibanejad actually deflected this pass, but nevertheless, it still got to where Kreider was intending to send it, and that was to Ryan Lindgren. And then Lindgren, you know, he moves in just a little bit. He plays the puck hard toward the center of the ice, and he finds Mika Zibanejad there, and Mika Zibanejad deflects the puck over the left shoulder of Peter Morazic. So, uh, two to one Hurricanes at that point with five minutes and change left in the second period. And this is when you start to think that like, oh my God, are the Rangers going to do this again to the Hurricanes? Are they going to be soundly outplayed by this team? Not to say they were soundly outplayed in all four matchups. And in fact, the most recent regular season matchup between the two teams, the Rangers basically just wrecked the Hurricanes. But there were instances this time, I would say, I mean, certainly they were outshot in pretty much every game except for the most recent one. But there were definitely games that these two teams played against each other where the Hurricanes clearly had the better of play this season. And you start to think like, my God, are, are they really going to do this again? And at that point, had the Rangers come back and won this game and, you know, erased two different two-goal deficits and maybe even, like, won this thing in overtime, then I don't even know what you're thinking if you're a player on the Hurricanes because you have them. And I mean, the Hurricanes did outplay the Rangers in this game overall. I don't think that can really be debated. But had the Rangers come back and stolen this one from them, I mean, I really think, like, at that point, I just don't know what goes through the head of a player on the Hurricanes. And maybe the Rangers at that point really have a valuable psychological edge. Uh, unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. We go to the third period here, and we get a great play here by Ryan Strom. He forced a turnover right at the Canes' blue line, keeps the puck in, and then he gets control of the puck. He's got a guy all over him, but he basically spins and passes to his right to Buchnevich. Buchnevich, unfortunately, basically shot it right into Mrazic's breadbasket, so that puck stays out, but a great individual effort by Ryan Strom there, and Rangers starting to find it a little bit. You know, they did play well in spurts in this game. I think, like I said, overall, they were outplayed, but there were instances here where it looked like they were going to get going and maybe even take control of the game, but unfortunately, Mrazic with the save there, and the Canes still lead 2-1. to one. And something that I would just like to point out that is always 100% true in the Stanley Cup playoffs, if it's the third period and your team is leading by a goal, 
the clock just absolutely crawls. Like, time never moves as slow as it does when your team is protecting a one-goal lead in the third period of a Stanley Cup playoff game. And just the opposite is true when your team is trailing because the Rangers at this point, they're down 2-1. to one. It feels like the clock is in warp speed. I mean, I think 30 seconds go by and I look up and five minutes have ticked off. So, yeah, I mean, the, it is what it is. It's just the life of a hockey fan in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I suppose. Rangers got another solid scoring opportunity. Chris Kreider makes a really nice pass through the neutral zone up the ice to Mika Zibanejad, and Zibanejad just zips in, and Mrazek unfortunately makes the save. And then with the score still 2-1, to one, Henrik Lundqvist made what I thought was maybe his best save of the afternoon. Uh, Martinuk sends a cross-ice pass to Gardner, and Gardner is really in deep, and Lundqvist moves hard to his right and gets a piece of the shot with his pads, keeps the puck out. Just an absolutely huge save by Lundqvist there, keeping the score at 2-1. to one. And then this was a huge spot in the game right here. Again, the Rangers still down by just a goal at this point. And what happens? Everybody say it with me. The Rangers take another penalty. And this time, it's Greg McKaig. He gets called for boarding in the offensive zone. Again, another offensive zone penalty. And, you know, the player in the Canes, he turned kind of late. And McKaig, you know, he's just looking to finish his check. But you got to be a little bit smarter than this. You can't just lay somebody out for the purpose of laying somebody out if it's not even really going to impact the play and if you're putting yourself in danger of taking a penalty. It's not like the Canes are going to score from back there. So the offensive zone penalties, they have always, they will always drive me crazy. And unfortunately, this one ends up costing the Rangers because technically the Canes did not score on the power play here, but really they might as well have because what happened was the power play was just set to expire and Niederreiter passes across the ice to Natchez. And Natchez plays the puck in deep and it deflects off of Mark Stahl's skate and goes right into the net and it was before Greg McKay remember he's the one who took the penalty this all happened just before he could jump into the play and if you saw he got out of the penalty box and he could not have missed the pass from Niederreiter to Natchez by more than maybe like three or four inches he extended his stick nearly deflected the pass which would have prevented Natchez from playing the puck at the net but he just couldn't quite get there in time if he would have gotten out of that penalty box literally at like a tenth of a second earlier he would have gotten there and at least been able to deflect the puck away if not outright steal it so just a tough break there for the Rangers uh, really two tough breaks when you think about it because Greg McKaig just missed breaking up this scoring opportunities in the first place, and then the goal goes in off of Mark Stahl's skate, and there's not really a whole lot you can do there. I mean, it's just a bad bounce. It is what it is. Lundqvist really had no chance to stop this one, and again, Lundqvist really did play a great game today. You got to give it to him. He obviously faced some adversity this season, did not get to play a lot down the stretch for the Rangers, but worked his way back into the goalie competition, and he might have just been starting because obviously Igor was unfit to play, but be that as it may, Lundqvist still out there. He still showed you he's got the clutch gene in him. He can still play big in a big game and still play well against the Hurricanes. And we saw all of that today. Just unfortunate that the Rangers didn't get the result. And in fact, almost immediately after this, the Hurricanes went into the Rangers zone on a two-on-one, and Lundqvist just made an excellent sprawling save against Sebastian Ajo. So he at least gives the Rangers a chance there, still down three to one at this point. And then the Hurricanes actually get another power play opportunity with 3.02 remaining. But the Rangers, they don't give up, and they score a shorthanded goal with 154 left in the game to make it 3-2. The Rangers really worked hard here. They had Panarin, Stahl, Fox, and Zibanejad on the ice. Mark Stahl just drills a shot from the blue line. And to be fair, you know, we talked about how the Hurricanes got a fortuitous bounce to make it 3-1. The Rangers got a little bit of a lucky bounce here as well. Deflected off the skate of a player on the Hurricanes, went into the net. But hey, we'll take it. And at this point, 
nothing. 155 left to go. The Rangers are down 3 to 2 and 52 seconds left on the Hurricanes power play and then there's a timeout by the Rangers. The Canes get another chance to again take a two-goal lead. Sebastian Aho passes in deep to Andrei Svechnikov. The save is made and at this point the puck is frozen. There's 131 to go in the game. 28 seconds left to go on the Canes power play. And I like David Quinn. I want to go forward into the future with this Ranger team, with David Quinn leading the way. As far as I'm concerned, there's no way of knowing this for sure, but I fully expect that he'll still be the Rangers coach five years from now, and I do think he's the guy to kind of coach these guys up and just continue developing all these players. I think he did a great job leading the Rangers out of, you know, a spot where it looked like they were dead and buried in the standings into becoming a bona fide playoff contender late in the season. But I do have to question something he did here. And I realize at this point, you know, there's 131 left in the game. Like we said, there's about to be a draw in the Rangers zone. And yes, the Rangers are still shorthanded for another 28 seconds here. But why are Greg McKagan and Brett Howden on the ice? Like this is not a typical power play situation or rather a penalty kill situation for the Rangers. And I know that, you know, guys like Panarin aren't out there for the penalty kill, but you got to put your, your, big guys out there. This is not a typical situation where you're just trying to prevent them from scoring. Yes, you do need to prevent the Canes from scoring, obviously, but you need to create offense yourself. You're down to a minute 31 left in the game. You can't be relying on Greg McKaig and Brett Howden to you know, create a scoring opportunity while the team is shorthanded. you got to put your playmakers out there, in my opinion. And I realize, you know, Zibanejad, Panarin, they had just been on the ice for uh, a pretty long time before that, and they had just scored a goal, uh, again, not long before that. You can't just put them on the ice for the last, you know, three, three and a half, four minutes of the game. They need to, you know, get breathers every once in a while. But don't tell me there weren't any better options than Greg McKaig and Brett Howden in this situation. And again, I get that the Rangers were shorthanded, but it doesn't really matter in this spot because, you need to score. You need to go create a scoring opportunity, and I just don't know that Greg McKagan and Brett Howden were the two best options in this situation. Again, I'm not going to kill David Quinn for this. It's just a little thing late in the game that just kind of irked me a little bit. You know, it's like, let's get some goal-scoring threats on the ice here. We got to score a goal. We're running out of time. We got to find the equalizer. I think there's better options than Greg McKagan and Brett Howden. Now, the Rangers do end up killing off the man advantage, so now it's back to even strength. They got a chance at it here. Again, just down by one goal. And again, you know, not to complain too much about the refs. I think at least they were consistent in this game. They were basically calling everything. But that's exactly where my complaint here comes in because there was a cross-check uh, with about a minute or so to go here by the Hurricanes that was just completely missed. And again, you know, it wasn't like a malicious cross-check. And we've seen worse things not get called. But by this point in the game, the refs have set a precedent that, hey, we're pretty much calling everything. If it's a penalty, if it looks like a penalty, we're going to call it a penalty, and they didn't call it here. So that bothered me a little bit. Uh, again, I, I think it was a cross-check that was just flat-out missed. But the Rangers, you know, they get caught behind their own net, and now you've got these guys like McKaig and Howden on the ice. you got to get them off. you got to get your guys on the ice. And just not enough urgency getting the puck up the ice quick enough. You know, again, I, I know you got to wait for your guys to get in position and all that good stuff, but, you know, D'Angelo had the puck behind the Rangers' net for just way too long here, and eventually the puck goes out of play with 29 seconds seconds left. Um, the Rangers do eventually work the puck into the Kane zone, Buchnevich with some pressure, but they just couldn't create any of those A-plus high danger scoring opportunities. And unfortunately, you know, the puck goes on net. Mrazek catches it with just two seconds left and they whistle the play dead. Kreider takes the ensuing faceoff, but the Canes win the faceoff into the corner and that's it. The Rangers lose three to two. Uh, you know, again, despite the Rangers obviously not playing their best here today. I think we can end this by taking a few positives out of this. First of all, hockey is back. The Stanley Cup playoffs are back. And as you're listening to this, there's probably still some Stanley Cup playoff games happening right now. You know what? Enjoy them. I know the Rangers didn't get the result today. It's always more fun to watch the other matchups, I think, when the Rangers get the win. But regardless... 
we didn't know for sure that this was going to happen. This was very much touch and go for a long, long time, and it's been a long time coming. We went four and a half months without hockey of any kind. The Stanley Cup playoffs are happening. We got this awesome 2014 playoff tournament to enjoy. So I think you owe it to yourself. And you, again, you might have mixed feelings about whether this tournament should even be happening or not, given the state of the world right now. But bottom line, it's happening. So go ahead and enjoy it and uh, watch some of the other matchups here today. And look forward to game two for the Rangers because this series is a long way from over. We've seen that the Rangers are a resilient bunch. And it was another strong penalty kill for the Rangers. Canes, again, just went one for seven after the Islanders went 0 for five. So once again, the Ranger penalty kill 11 for 12 in these first two games back. Another big positive here, the Rangers, again, they clearly did not have their A game today. And despite this, they lose by only one goal. They had a chance at the end. They did play better and better as the game progressed. So you just hope that, you know, maybe they can carry a little bit of that momentum into game two and they can start a little bit faster in game two against the Hurricanes. They're going to need to. It would be great to see this team play with a lead for a good chunk of game two, if not all of game two, preferably all of game two. That would be great. And last but certainly not least, we all got to see Henrik Lundqvist playing in the playoffs once again for the New York Rangers. And I will admit, you know, anybody who's listened to this podcast with any sort of regularity, you guys know I was campaigning for Igor Shesterkin, and obviously he was deemed unfit to play today, and so he was not able to take the ice. But I will admit something. When I heard that Henrik Lundqvist was going to start for this game, there's a part of me that got a little bit more excited because I wasn't so sure that we were ever going to see Henrik Lundqvist playing for the Rangers in the playoffs ever again because, you know, think about it. This team for two and a half years was mired in a rebuild, and they really did not look like a playoff team this year in the first half of the season, and they basically just kind of caught fire after the All-Star break, scratch and clawed their way back into this thing. They make the playoffs, and even then you're thinking like, okay, well, it's probably going to be Shesterkin, and, you know, Hank will back him up. But then this happens, and, you know, all the best to Igor Shesterkin, that unfit-to-play designation does leave a lot of room for speculation, but there was something really, really cool about seeing Henrik Lundqvist playing in the playoffs again for the New York Rangers. And again, he had a great game. Anybody who blames Henrik Lundqvist for this defeat, you just weren't paying that close of attention. He played a great game here today, playing in his 129th playoff game for the Rangers. That's basically a season and a half's worth of playoff games. And, you know, if they have to go with Lundqvist again on Monday, I don't think too many Ranger fans should be too afraid of that because, again, he was very, very good in this game and gave the Rangers a chance all the way through. We'll see what the update is with Igor Shesterkin. Maybe he's back in net for the Rangers on Monday. Maybe that was the plan all along. Rangers have some options. That's never really a bad thing. We'll see how Quinn looks to line this team up on Monday. And obviously, fingers crossed that Jesper Foss isn't hurt too bad. He can get back into the lineup in Game 2 as well. Very, very important player for the New York Rangers. But that will do it for today, guys. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.